재미와 지식의 오디오 라이프 팝빵. More than a month has passed since North Korea launched its fourth nuclear test. Progress has been pretty slow in drawing up a new UN sanctions regime uh, in response to what they deem to be North Korean provocations, including subsequently a long-range missile test. Now, there are unilateral sanctions in place by the U.S., Japan, and South Korea against Pyongyang. But this doesn't seem to have done anything to moderate uh, Pyongyang's stance. Now, all of this tension on the Korean Peninsula, uh, we had some diplomatic activity. China's foreign minister made a three-day official visit to the U.S. yesterday to negotiate further sanctions against the North. Uh, this put a pause on the U.S. and South Korea's discussion on potential THAAD missile defense deployment on South Korean soil, which we will talk about in much more detail. What are your thoughts so far on what's going on? Give us a uh, text message at pound 1013 for 51 or send us a cacao talk message by adding TBS EFM as a plus friend. We're going to be joined by another correspondent shortly, but here in the studio, very pleased to have joining us once again the managing editor of Korea Expose, Koo Seung. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Let's first talk about this uh, foreign minister's visit to Wang Yi. Uh, this is about a month after John Kerry, the Secretary of State of the United States, visited China in January. Uh, we know basically China is a little bit more reluctant to uh, adopt a harsher sanctions regime against North Korea, ostensibly because they mm. would not like to see uh, uh, stability in that regime uh, uh, falter. Uh, do you think that um, there is a chance that China, uh, because of a host of other factors, which we'll talk about maybe like that and some of the other tensions, but that China may take a further step as far as tougher sanctions are concerned? I think we may very well see a change in China's attitude toward North Korea this time. Um, I think it's good to remind our listeners that China has always been rather uh, reluctant on this matter, as uh, you and me said. However, this time there, we're seeing a very clear change. Um, we have to think about the fact that when John Kerry visited China in January, uh, China was quite adamant that its uh, handling of the North Korean issue has been quite proper, mm. that there is nothing to be faulted there. But the fact that these two countries came together to make a statement that there may be progress in negotiations over the UN resolution is an interesting signal, I think. And of course, as we might talk about later, uh, there's a new factor in the equation, which is the, the THAAD, the uh, terminal high-altitude aerial defense system that U.S. wants to install in South Korea, and the South Korean government has shown an indication to accommodate. Yeah. Now, that is, I guess, uh, leading to our next question in regards to is there a quid pro quo in place here, uh, the U.S. and finally South Korea in reaction to the missile testing. Look, 
We're going to have to uh, talk about that, even though it might upset China. Uh, they were set to begin, despite all these uh, very strong statements by uh, Beijing uh, in terms of being opposed to that deployment. They've now delayed talks, uh, the U.S. and South Korea, in terms of negotiating how they are going to implement uh, this system. Coincidence, or do you think that the U.S. is trying to sh maybe offer a little bit of a carrot uh, to China, saying, look, we'll, we'll hold off on that for now, uh, but let's talk about these uh, sanctions? Sure. I'm not entirely sure if I would characterize this postponing as a carrot, but rather um, I think the whole talk about installing Thad in South Korea has definitely played as a as a point of pressure against China. I think China has shown very clearly that there's no ambiguity here that it does not want Thad in South Korea under any conditions. And and actually the negotiation between Washington and Seoul went very far. They they pretty much announced this postponement at the very last minute, I think one could say. And, and this is a, it's a signal to China that if China does not step up, um, um, they're going to see something they really don't like happening in Northeast Asia. And, and that certainly has angered China, but at the same time, perhaps forced China mm. into action. Let's talk about this from the China uh, skeptic point of view. Hey, China, U.S. and South Korea have been saying this is purely aimed at North Korea. It has nothing to do with you at all. You, you can totally just relax with Thad, uh, why are they opposing Thad? But at the same time, people point out, hey, they are also upgrading their own uh, military and surveillance capabilities. Sure, but isn't there something disingenuous, perhaps, about the fact that uh, South Korea and the United States are insisting this has nothing to do with China, when in fact, if we think about the very nature of this system, um, which is I mean, there's been a lot of talk about what the Fed is really supposed to do. Is it for countering uh, long-range missiles, or it, can it also work against uh, short to medium-range missiles? I think um, the, the consensus perhaps that's emerging is that the system can work in both ways. So it could be of use to South Korea against North Korea, but it could also be of use to the United States. So it's not unreasonable that uh, China might be somewhat... Uh, unhappy with a system that could per perhaps work against itself. And um, as for the issue of China expanding its own uh, surveillance capabilities, I mean, um, who, what people really expect uh, a superpower to to act in a way that is really in the best interest of everyone. Right. Um, every government works to to advance its own interest, and China's interest has been very clear. It really thinks of Northeast Asia, its own backyard, yeah. and they don't like this American intervention. We've been talking about that analogy when Russia in years past was very upset at then uh, George W. Bush uh, putting a missile defense shield in the Eastern Europe's former Soviet bloc nations. That, of course, set back relations between those two sides. China, of course, similarly, very much concerned, as you say, they consider Northeast Asia their own backyard. The U.S., this so-called Asia pivot, Japan now uh, deciding to militarize, and South Korea getting on board with that. They're fearing that now this sphere of influence wielded by uh, the U.S. could pose a pretty serious national security, uh, I suppose, risk for the country. Absolutely, and I think uh, the fact that President Park Geun-hye actually made uh, numerous overtures in the first three years of her uh, her term to uh, to perhaps engage with China and perhaps even be friendly with China. That probably upset a lot of people in Washington, but but the fact that China has really come out uh, saying that listen, uh, 
I like the fact that you have tried to to like us, and we kind of like you, yeah. but we're certainly not going to help you with North Korea as much as you had hoped for. This has really turned the administration around 180 degrees, and and now we see this very abrupt courting of Washington, and this uh, uh, signaling that South Korea, after all, wants to be with United States, even if this may uh, upset China in a significant way. Yeah, and that is the interesting point about this, as you uh, alluded to. The president, the first three, four years of her administration right now, has really been active in currying favor with Beijing, the the Korea-China FTA, uh, very uh, apparently a nice personal chemistry between Xi Jinping and Park Geun-hye. She even attended a military parade. Which she even was gave a speech in Mandarin, actually. Exactly. And so, uh, and now this sort of 180-degree turn in terms of that and what's going on with North Korea. We've talked to military experts. We've talked to some uh, foreign relations experts on this, and they all have differing views. But from a journalist's perspective who's been able to gauge what everyone says, is this sort of a very difficult and very dangerous spot for South Korea to be in? Well, I think um, the... It is. Um, what is unfortunate is that the government may not really see it this way. Um, it's remarkable that the government could spend three years building up this relationship only to torpedo it overnight because they didn't really get what they wanted from China. Um, diplomatically speaking, uh, I think um, South Korea has completely uh, essentially abandoned its credibility it had with Beijing. I think it'll be very difficult for South Korea to get anything it wants from China in the future. If South Korea had really wanted to provoke China into action, it certainly could have brought up this issue of that in a, perhaps a more unofficial setting mm-hmm. to say, listen, this is our concern. We really take North Korean threat seriously. Uh, can you do something about that? But without making this such a public issue. But now that the cat is out of the bag, unfortunately, South Korea has very little room to play. Washington has very little to lose over this uh, more antagonistic stance toward Beijing. This is the relationship yeah. between America and China. But South Korea is not only geographically but diplomatically trapped between these two superpowers. And I think Seoul is playing a very dangerous game at the moment. Dangerous game indeed. What we want to do is take a short break. Uh, we're going to continue to discuss some of the wider territorial issues at stake here in Northeast Asia. We'll be joined by a correspondent from Spain on the line as well, Kuzeung, staying in the studio. Give us your thoughts. Text us at pound 1013 for 51. After this short break, see you. You're listening to Primetime.